Chapter 13 I was whistling on Monday morning when I came into the office. That was a change for me. Sunday night I'd stayed at Katie's until well after everyone else left, listening to her babble on and on about Polly and Josie. I'd had enough Dago Red to leave me feeling there was balance in the universe again. Or maybe it was just because Katie was off my ass about dating anyone, and on to the next possibility, getting Polly and Josie married. I even blew a kiss toward Gracie's door on my way downstairs. She was looking down on me today and smiling. I knew it. Why wouldn't she be? My former client's daughter wasn't in the hands of killers. I didn't have all the answers about why she wouldn't show herself, but that was sounding more and more like something those two needed to work out themselves. I had an even better hint that things were looking my way. Mary Margaret wasn't her usual smiling self. I never knew anyone who could be as naive and cheerful as Mary Margaret, especially on mornings when I'd come in after a long night of surveillance, or too much alcohol, which lately was more than likely. She must have spent time reading up on Raymond Chandler, Dashiell Hammett, and Mickey Spillane before she took this job, thinking that the P.I. business was all gun malls, bullets, and bad suits with wide lapels. I disabused her of that on a regular basis. The mind-numbing weekend in the Cleveland Hotel with the numb-minded Sarah Pelfrey was evidence of that. I wasn't some kind of rust-belt Sam Spade or Philip Marlowe. And she wasn't the kind of blonde bombshell secretary who leaned over the desk and lit my cigarette for me as I called her angel or sweetheart in a Humphrey Bogart lisp. She wasn't even cute. She was flat-chested, frumpy, and downright homely. Her homeliness was the main reason Gracie hired her to begin with. She did, to her credit, figure out how to work with what she had and started dressing a little better. So yeah, I was looking for Mary Margaret to keep my damned books and answer the phones not play Nancy Drew. If she was cranky for whatever reason, I was going to love every second. Morning, sunshine. She scowled at me as I passed her desk. Maybe she'd had her braces tightened on Saturday. Maybe her teeth hurt. That was entirely possible. Maybe she was experiencing her first hangover. Not likely. Maybe she was finally fed up with me and my bullshit and was looking for a new job. Now that was something to look forward to. Either way, she hadn't greeted me with her daily chirp. This was going to be a good day. We have a problem, Fitz. She swirled around in her chair and followed me back to my office. Can't be too bad. The sun is shining, summer's coming. I tossed my jacket across my desk and as she trotted along beside me, headed back toward the back of the former bank and the wall of former teller stations that lined the south end of the building. Behind them, I could hear the bubbling of the office coffee pot. Smells delicious, Mary Margaret. Can I get you some? What do you have on your schedule today, Fitz? Are you going to go see Chase Hawksworth? She really was serious, lisping wetly through her braces, so I dropped the act. I told her I didn't know as I kept pouring myself coffee. I heard from Sarah. She's alive and sounds uninjured from what I can tell. As an adult, she's allowed to disappear if she wants to. She told me she didn't want me to search for her anymore so I need to get direction from Chase on how to proceed. I left him a message for him to call me. Well, when you talk to him, you might want to ask him about this. She held up Hawksworth's $500 retainer check. Account closed was rubber-stamped across the face of it. That bastard. Give me that. I snatched it from her hand. You mean I worked all goddamn weekend for nothing? You may have. 
before you got here, I talked to the bank manager where the account was opened, and apparently Hawksworth has written so many bad checks, the bank is looking to file charges. His payroll accounts are at other banks, so it looks like we won't be the only folks unhappy with full board drilling by the end of the week. I tried to get in touch with Mr. Hawksworth, but he's not returning any calls. He's not returning any of my calls either. After I spoke to Sarah, I left him a message at three different places and didn't hear back from any of them. What do you want to do? I'm heading out to the drill site. I'm going to get my money out of that bastard and then I'm dumping this case. Hawksworth's Jeep was parked outside the construction trailer when I pulled up 15 minutes later. I didn't bother knocking this time. I barged in, roaring, waving the check. You want to explain this to me, you son of a bitch? He jumped up from behind his desk as I slammed the door. Sensing trouble, several men in hard hats grimaced and left quickly. Fitz, please, it's a mistake, I'm sure. Don't bullshit me, Hawksworth. Of all people, don't bullshit me. This account is fucking closed, and your payroll accounts are all empty. I spent the entire weekend trying to chase down your daughter, and all I get is lies and half-truths at every turn. Then when I call to tell you I've heard from her, you don't call back. You want to tell me what the fuck is going on? He sank back into his chair and reached for his wallet inside his jacket. He pulled five $100 bills out and pushed them across the desk to me. I shoved the money into my pocket as I lowered myself into a seat across the desk. I was out here all weekend. We're so close to being able to drill, I needed all that money fast. You couldn't take ten minutes to find out if I'd been in contact with your daughter, especially when you're supposedly so concerned about her welfare. I have a geology study that says this site is prime Utica shale, perfect for fracking, but my investors are drying up. Nobody wants to sink money into full-bore drilling right now because of all the bad press and the lawsuits. But I figured if we could start fracking this weekend, they'd see I was serious. They'd see I was worth the risk. I was just so busy that I never even checked my phone messages. It's what broke up my marriage. That was wrong, with Sarah in danger and McComber burning my house down. Hawksworth pasted a concerned daddy look on his face. Cut the crap. If you're like anybody else on this planet, you're checking your phone every 20 seconds. If you really wanted to find her, you would have called me back. Sarah doesn't want to be found. In fact, she said that my search for her could get her killed. When I told her that you were looking for her, she said something really strange. It's worse than I thought. What did she mean by that? Why are you hunting her down? Give me the truth for once. He was silent. She is in danger, but not from me. It's Tony Repetto. He's after her. I've known Tony Repetto since he was a juvenile delinquent. Why would a dumb wop like him want to kill Sarah? He's making money hand over fist. Don't hand me that crap. No, seriously, he is. Repetto was angry that he'd hired Tommy Lynn. And he could have been angry enough to kill her. But wanting to kill Sarah? He liked her. He told me so. She could come back and display her talents there any time she wanted. Sarah is now a person of interest in Tommy Lynn's death, according to the police. And that's probably the biggest reason why she doesn't want to be found. Please, she's my only daughter. We've got to help her. From her tone, Sarah doesn't sound like she wants any of your help. I think you're pissed at her because you know she's involved with Steve McComber. Maybe that's the truth behind your search. You're trying to do anything you can to get her away from him. Maybe she can tell him things about your business that could be very detrimental. Things that could help him in his suit against full-bore drilling. Is that what's behind all of this? He exhaled, puffing out his cheeks. He looked caught. You knew that, didn't you? 
That was something else you never let me in on, like everything else in this case. How the hell do you expect me to get anything done if I can't trust you? You knew about Sarah working at the Cat's Meow. You knew about Ed Nash and the assault on Tommy Lynn. You knew about Sarah's involvement with McComber, and you never, not once, told me any of this. The only thing you didn't know was that she was in protective custody with me prior to testifying against Pablo Hernandez. Fitz, I... you gotta understand. No, I don't. Maybe once upon a time if you've been upfront with me, but not now. Your daughter is going from a missing person to a person of interest to a suspect in a murder charge. I'm not getting in the middle of a police investigation. An obstruction of justice charge cost me my PI license. I stood up and stuffed the money he'd given me deeper into my pockets. I did what you asked me to do. I made contact with your daughter. She doesn't want to hear from you. The effort to get that information figures to be about $500 of my time. We're done. I slammed the door as I exited and stomped back to my excursion. A young man in a yellow hard hat sidled up beside me and leaned on the side of my SUV as I pushed the key into the driver's door lock. I recognized him as one of the guys who'd slithered out when I barreled into the trailer. Can I help you? He took a languid drag on his cigarette before bracing it between his thumb and middle finger and shooting into the center of the gravel parking lot. There are some things you need to know about Chase Hawksworth. Trust me, pal. There's some things he needs to know about me before he pisses me off like that again. I jerked the door open and slid into the seat. Who the hell are you anyway, and why should I care? You always stick your nose into your boss's business. He leaned his elbows on the door frame. It's like this. We all figured we'd be out of work by Friday. Two weeks ago, all our payroll checks bounced, but then he made them good first thing the following Monday. By now, everybody has heard you came in here with a bad check, so we're also figuring the same thing will happen this Friday. From what I know, that's a solid bet. We're all figuring there ain't no gas or oil here at all. That's the way it's been with the last four drills for full bore. A lot of these guys followed him around from site to site. We all know him. He needs this one to be successful. If not, he goes belly up, and this time we're out of a job. How do you know that? He shrugged. Talk. Talk where? By whom? I heard it at some of the bars and the clubs. Some of the guys who work for Chase on other sites say this is the way it usually goes. Their steady work for a couple of months, and the money runs out, and checks start bouncing. Then Chase pulls up stakes and moves on, someplace where he can find funding or investors, and the cycle starts all over again. Some of us are just hungry enough for work that we'll follow. He's come up dry too many times for investors to want to throw any more money behind him. I thought back to the conversation I'd had with Ed Nash's wife. I guess Mr. Hawksworth had to lay off several men. What with the lawsuits and all? Hmm. Any run-of-the-mill scumbag husband knew to stir enough truth into his lies to make them plausible. I built my business on that. Maybe there was more to it. Maybe this was the slice of honesty Nash was using to flavor the bullshit sandwich he fed to his wife. Have there been any layoffs here lately? The young man shook his head. Nope. Chase is so convinced there's money to be made on this piece of land he's still hiring. Which is great until your paychecks bounce. I reached for a business card in the console and handed it out the window. If you have any more information... The young man stood up and stepped back from the truck. No, sir. You keep that card. We didn't have this conversation. Gotcha. I cranked the key in the ignition and drove back down the dirt road. Whoever he was, he'd give me a lot to think about. Along with everything else I'd managed to dig up while believing Chase Hawksworth's check had money behind it. Now things had changed. 
Whatever the hell was going on between Sarah and her father was between them. Even more, I didn't care if full bore drilling went belly up. God knows another fracking company would swoop in and pick up where this mess left off. Chase's employees wouldn't be out of work for very long. What happens, though, about Tommy Lynn? Somebody needed to get justice for her. That was truly Barnes's job, but now that Chase Hawksworth wasn't my client anymore, I could do my own digging and feed whatever information I found to him. As I drove back to the office, a completely different scenario came to mind. The whole thing begins when Sarah meets Steve McComer at Narcotics Anonymous, and they start dating. McComer learns who her daddy is, and when the case from Seoul stalls in court, he pushes her to give him inside information about full-bore drilling. He learns that Hawksworth hasn't been real successful in his search for oil and decides to start protesting at his house, hoping to pressure him out of Fawcettville. When Chase files a restraining order, McComer presses Sarah for more information. She refuses. Daddy is paying her rent and her car payment, after all. Then there's the night McComer becomes violent, and that's when Tommy Blue and his wife come to her rescue. Shortly after that, Sarah and I head to Cleveland. Wednesday night, the night we returned, was the confrontation between Ed Nash and Tommy Lynn at the Cat's Meow. Then, on the Thursday after our return, McComer, who's still trying to get information out of Sarah about her father, gets into another confrontation with her. It must have happened at Sarah's apartment, after she returned from the emergency room with an injured Tommy Lynn. Somewhere in there, Tommy Lynn gets involved, and McComer accidentally, or maybe intentionally, kills her. In fear for her life, Sarah runs off. Like most idiot crackheads, she isn't going to be around someplace where the police could show up, even if she isn't at fault. Force of habit. So, McComer puts Tommy Lynn's body in the trunk and drives Sarah's car a couple blocks from her house. With all McComer's well-established firebug tendencies, it isn't any big deal for him to light the car up. He knows enough to make it look, at least at first, like an accident. As part of his alibi, he shows up to protest at Hawksworth's house and gets run off. But he's frustrated he's not getting what he wants out of Sarah or the courts, so McComer returns to toss a Molotov cocktail through the front window as a form of intimidation. I ticked off the hours of both events in my mind. There was plenty of time between Sarah's car fire and her father's house burning down. McComer could easily have done both. I pulled into the first parking lot I could find and called Barnes. Hey, Barnes. Barnes, hey. You know if Steve McComer is still in custody? For a few more minutes. He's at court right now, being arraigned. Why? I think he may be the one who killed that transgender woman. How's that? Quickly, I filled him in on my theory about how McComber could have murdered Tommy Lynn and had plenty of time to also burn down Hawksworth's house. I didn't tell him about the conversation I had with Sarah or her father's bounce check. She knew she was supposed to get in touch with the police. If she didn't, she was the one to face the consequences, not me. Uh, shit. I need to get over to the jail. Once he's released, he's released. We can't hold him. Barnes was grinding a cigarette into the pavement outside the courthouse when I pulled up a few minutes later. I shoved the SUV into park and started to get out. Stay where you are, Fitz. That sleazy mouthpiece he calls a lawyer took McComer out the back door and had him in his car before I could talk to him. Over the phone, the attorney said he'll try to get him to come to my office as soon as possible. That is, if the little prick hasn't left town already. He waved me back into my vehicle. 
If I catch the little bastard and get anything out of him, I'll let you know. I nodded, but I knew the truth. Barnes was too smart a cop to just let anybody in on the details of an open investigation, even me, despite our long history together on the FPD. He'd only come back to me if my idea didn't pan out and he thought he might be able to sweat me for something else. Hopefully, my theory would produce something. Maybe Tommy Lynn would get some justice after all. Without speaking, I nodded and turned the engine over again. Time to head back to the office. No metallic smile from Mary Margaret when I triumphantly tossed the five $100 bills onto her desk. What? I got the money back. I thought you'd be thrilled. You have a visitor. I looked back into my glass-enclosed office. There, sitting in one of the two chairs, was a bottle blonde, a bit too zaftig to pull off the spiked heels and tiger print skirt. Too many facelifts pulled the skin tightly across her cheeks, and her surgically altered nose was too thin. But all the cosmetic work couldn't disguise that she was close to my age. There had to be steel support beams inside that bra she wore, pushing her large, gelatinous breasts nearly all the way out of her black sheer blouse. Her nails were long and matched the predatory red of her lipstick. I knew her type the minute I set eyes on her. She had ex-wife written all over her. Sitting beside her, looking terrified, was Sarah Hunter Pelfrey.